Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Okay, we've recorded the rest of this episode last night, but it is currently 12.09 p.m. on Friday and Jen Shaw has officially been sentenced. So we just needed to come on here for a minute to talk about it. Sentencing was originally set for 10 a.m. And finally, around 11.49, Judge Sidney Stein sentenced her to 78 months in prison and five years supervised release after, which translates to six and a half years in prison, five years supervised release after. Apparently, when receiving the sentence, Jen stood there facing the judge and showed no visible reaction. But holy shit. It just feels so real now. I feel like we've been talking about this for so long. And like you'll hear us say in this episode, it's been such a thing and almost not taken fully serious. And now for it to be real, I'm just, I can't wrap my head around it. I know there's a lot of processing going on because obviously you have so much sympathy for the victims. At the same time, at least for me, I'm very aware of the fact that she's a mother and being taken from her children. And it's it's just a complex situation. And Wow. I mean, we've been refreshing all morning sitting by the mic and we just had to come on here and say that we'll cut to the rest of the episode, but wow. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Isabel. And welcome back to another episode of Comments by Bravo. Hey Iz. Hi Em. Happy New Year. Lisa Rinna off Beverly Hills after eight seasons. Whoa. This just broke, what, an hour ago, right before we started recording? Yeah, I mean, people think that this was a strategic move on a Thursday night, the night before Jen Shaw's trial, where we know that that news will completely dominate whatever happens. But, like, I don't know. I guess I saw this coming. I didn't think the announcement would happen right now. And to be honest with you, if you had asked me, like, at the end of last season, I would have said 100% she's got to go. I think we've said that, like, her time has come. She did what she needed to do. But you know what? something about me just feels super like nostalgic and sad. It's like such mixed emotions because I think this was 100% the right move, but also I can't lie and say that I'm not a little bit sad. But I think the two can coexist. You know, the idea that 
she did give us some really high highs and I can commend her on that. And then also realizing, forgetting about us and our viewing experience, like I genuinely think the show became toxic for her. Yeah, I do too. I think it was like sucking her into this void and she was getting really caught up in the logistics of what was going on. And I think she'll be fine. Her commentary, now that she's completely out of it, will be so interesting as she watches and sort of has nothing to lose. I'm kind of excited about that, actually. Totally. I mean, she gave the exclusive to people. She said, this is the longest job I've held in my 35-year career, and I'm grateful to everyone at Bravo and all those involved in the series. It's been a fun eight-year run, and I'm excited for what's to come. So... As we all know, recently when Kathy Hilton was interviewed and she was asked, is there any chance that you would come back to Beverly Hills next season? And her response was, only if certain people are gone, which of course we all thought meant Rinna. So I do wonder what will Kathy's involvement now be with Rinna gone? And also, what does that look like for Kyle? You know, I have to ask myself, is this something Kyle's happy about? I don't know. I think it depends on how the rest of the cast shapes up. I mean, the other night I was watching, Rinna went live on Instagram and she was at Diana's house with Erica and the three of them seem like closer than ever. And I didn't really get a vibe of what that could mean for the two of them. But a lot of people are happy that this will sort of break up the friend group. And if Erica is back, we'll get to see her in a Rinna-free life and get to be her own person and maybe have different opinions. And it won't just be like everything is the two of them or defensive or whatever everybody was feeling. I don't think Erica's done. I really do not think she's done. I don't think they're going to get rid of Erica and Rinna both together in the same year, because I think no matter how much she may dislike Erica, there is maybe a smidgen of you that's curious what she would be like without Rinna there. And I think that that's a legitimate curiosity that like could carry Erica through another season. Maybe I'm wrong. Right. That's just how I feel. No, like it's it's worth at least giving her one season on her own for her and for us just to say like, all right, you're on your own now. This is what we wanted to see. Let's see what you got. Totally. And I think it'll be very interesting to see the way that she plays it. And also with Rinna specifically, it'll be very interesting to see how much they do or do not bring her up in the group setting. Yes. Wow. That will be very interesting. Also going back to what you said about them releasing this Thursday night, perhaps strategically because Jen Shaw's sentencing is coming out tomorrow and that will take the attention. We got to talk about that for a second because right now we are recording this episode Thursday night. Jen's sentencing is currently set for tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. Eastern time. So our plan is to do this episode as normal now and then tomorrow morning to come on and do a quick soft open. If for any reason we can't do that tomorrow, we'll talk about it next week. But Holy shit. I mean, I don't know how you guys feel, but to me, I really do feel like the memification of this entire situation has taken away, not necessarily from the seriousness of it, but from understanding the gravity of what's about to happen. Like there is a very, very legitimate chance that she is going away for many years. And I'm not, I haven't wrapped my head around that fully. I haven't either. And Honestly, like I just feel so anxious and sad for her and her family. And this is going to be huge because honestly, based on everything I've read and heard, like there is basically no shot that her sentencing will be light. Like they are taking this very seriously and making an example out of her. I don't know. I'm like so curious what we are going to say in the beginning of this episode. Like right now I'm fucking dying out of curiosity and you guys are all listening. Like we know what happens. Also, did you see the video of her and Sharif in the airport? 
Yeah, I just can't imagine. She must be in such a blur, walking through the airport, getting on a plane to hear the fate of the rest of her life and her family, and she's in, like, full thigh-high cheetah boots. It's, yeah. You know, it really goes to show you people handle this shit very, very differently. (laughs) There's just no world. I mean, you can't even get me to put on heels now. The last time I'm doing it is at the airport when I'm going to my sentencing being prosecuted by the Southern District of New York. Like if there's ever a time where I'm going to be in like hokas, it's then. I was going to say, if you saw me at the Palm Beach airport yesterday, you would have thought I was (laughs) on my way to be sentenced for fraud versus Jen, who looks like she's literally on her way to the Met Gala, you know, just like two different kinds of people in this world. (laughs) Okay. Let's do Miami, Salt Lake City, Potomac. Perfect. So Mother's Day is coming up, and I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom, because realistically, no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her. But I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter, and it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy, because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like, that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. They're Wi-Fi connected. They come with unlimited storage. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. And it's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. We have one in my kitchen. And every time my dad comes down for breakfast, like it just makes him so happy. There's pictures of me, pictures of me and my parents when I was little, pictures of my grandparents. Like I think as a parent, you never get sick of that. And it's just the kind of gift I know she will love. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. 50 high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery comes the competition. Host Shima Oliai was Nevada's contestant 20 years ago. Now she's returning as a judge to find out what two weeks with 50 of the country's most ambitious teens can tell us about girlhood in America. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and brightest? And how does surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after? Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Something really excellent happened this week in the Miami world, which is on our screens, we are watching Lisa recount this to her mother-in-law and to the other women. And at the same time, we are getting on social media a video of that incident. And to me, that is peak housewives. We'll get into it in a second, but I just have to say, chef's kiss. This was so wild because I had already sort of come around to the fact that we would never get this footage of Lisa confronting Lenny in the club. Like I knew that she said it on our podcast. And even though a couple weeks ago, we had seen the description of the episode, we later learned we weren't going to see it, but we'd hear her talk about it. And fine, that was good enough for me. So now to actually learn that Lisa had been with flash on recording in the club, Lenny and the woman, and that someone found it, I think allegedly on his mom's Facebook page and sent it into Queens of Bravo so that it could be shared with all of us. Like no better news, truly 
10 out of 10. But also what was so crazy is when Lisa's explaining it on the show, she's talking about how when she goes up to confront him, you know, he is so disrespectful and she looks directly at this woman and she licks her lips. And in the fucking video, you see the woman lick her lips. Like I'll lick her lips a lot of times. I can't believe what Lisa is giving us. I really can't believe it. And you know what? At this point, I don't feel guilty about any of this coming out because I actually think she loves it because in all of it, it just makes her look better and better and him look worse and worse, if that's even possible. Like, I think these kind of things coming out, she's sharing it on her story. She's commenting saying, can you believe this? This was Mother's Day. She wants this. You know, it's not at this point, he made the decision that this would not be dealt with privately or with any sort of class or dignity. And so she says, fine, you want to play that game? We're going to fucking play that game. And guess what? You're going to lose. Right. And what I can't get over in terms of Lenny is why is he repeatedly on social media trying to really, you know, get people to subscribe to this narrative of Lisa being this party or being taking such advantage of him, never wanting to spend family time together, which like, even if there are aspects of that that are true, I'll even give that to him, right? It still doesn't excuse the way that he's handling the current situation and the way that he has handled it. And that's the part that I look at him with such confusion and disgust of like, where do you think you're going with this? No, like his story is never going to be stronger than hers. He could say all the things that he didn't like about her or maybe some of her downfalls that he feels from his perspective. But again, it will never trump what he has done and how he behaves and just like how gross he is all around. Right. And also, which we will put the link to this in the description just in case anyone didn't see it. But if you go back as far back as 2020, Lenny had been commenting on this woman's photos, like kind of a lot. I know you and I were just discussing this a few days ago when we were on the beach. (laughs) Naturally, what else does one talk about on the beach than Lenny Hochstein? And you were saying like, that didn't feel like that big of a deal because he was doing it so out in the open. And these are the type of people he was constantly surrounded by. So you saw Lenny Hochstein's name under an Instagram model's post and it didn't sound these sirens like it would if it was maybe someone else's husband. But this was the part of the episode I could not get over when Lisa's talking about how she fucking hated having those parties. And I know she's been saying that a little bit more recently, but that was not my view of it. Like up until all of this stuff has happened recently, I thought she was equally as on board as he was. I thought she liked her house being the center of Miami and the hotspot and the place where the hottest people in the whole state are going. That, that was not the case. It made her feel very insecure. Yeah, that's one of the most interesting parts of the aftermath of all of this and that the way that it went down. Like if they had just had a nice amicable divorce, I don't think a lot of these tidbits would have come out. But because he's so sleazy, Marisol has full right to say, I never liked him. And Lisa told me that most of her friends have been coming out and say they don't like him. Like in a quote, normal divorce, if they were trying to co-parent and he was being at least a little more respectful, No one would say that. I mean, maybe to make her feel better, but everyone is shouting it from the rooftops, especially with Lisa saying, I hated these parties. I think what you just said, I think she liked and sort of leaned into the aspect of like showing off her house and taking photos and getting to plan these big elaborate parties and like film it for the show and get on Instagram, like all that stuff. I think she definitely liked, and that probably was sort of the silver lining. But when you really look back on it, it was really an excuse to have all these girls that Lenny invited and all these kind of people around that were randoms, as she said, in her house and hanging out with him and 
also viewing him as like this godly kind of guy and like king of Miami, so much money, you know, like the woman that he has left Lisa for has literal photo shoots on her staircase in the entrance of her home where her kids live, you know, like that in any normal circumstance that would never happen. And it was also an opportunity not for him to just have these girls around, but for him to even meet them in the first place. It was sort of like an open door. And because he's throwing it with his wife and because it's sort of their quote thing, why would anyone think anything of it? Right. And the other thing that I can't get over is, as we just discussed, maybe there were elements of these parties that she did enjoy kind of the prestige of it all. But there was a very legitimate insecurity that took place within her based on the type of women that were there. But if you go back to earlier seasons of Miami, there's that now viral footage. I forget exactly who she's talking to, but she's saying, you know, always marry an older guy because then he can never leave you for a younger woman, which like in general is kind of a little bit of a flawed mindset. But that insecurity existed within her way before his affair. And so to me, it's like knowing she already felt that way and knowing she partially got in this situation because she felt that it was a safe bet for her to then have it all turned on its head in this way. Like, I kind of think this was her greatest fear coming to fruition. Another thing I want to talk about is when Larsa, Alexia, and Marisol are at that lunch and they're talking about Lenny and everything. And Alexia sort of has this hypothesis that I feel like they sort of agree with or feel is possible that Lisa has known since a year ago, maybe more when that emotional affair was going on, quote, quote, and she started to see things were not going right. And when Lisa admitted at the reunion that there was a time years and years ago where Lenny told her that he didn't love her. Maybe that Lisa knew and was turning a blind eye or that he was telling her, like, giving her the warning that this was going to happen. And perhaps it wasn't as abrupt as it feels. It was just sort of like, a, am going to go public with it and you're going to deal with it. And that was what shook her to her core. Do you think that there's any possibility? Like, I think maybe there was an undercurrent and the relationship really wasn't good. And she just thought, oh, it's our normal shit. We've gone through it before. I'm going to try and make it better, patch it up, whatever. But she didn't expect that all of a sudden he would literally give her no choice because they're in the public eye. I think that there was a very heavy amount of denial that was taking place within her. But I think that no amount of denial of the situation could ever make up for the way in which he handled this. You know what I mean? Like, even if I want to give him a few points in saying that she potentially saw this coming more than she's leading on, it still doesn't excuse the way that he's gone about this. Like, let us not forget last week when they are in Key West and she is on the phone with his mother stressed about the woman coming into the house while her kids are there. Like, I don't give a shit how long ago she saw this coming. That's so not chill. It all happened literally so fast within the matter of minutes that she couldn't even like get home before something new would happen. That is just, it's all fucking criminal, honestly, if you're asking me. And just as I think about like the comment about like, there will always be someone younger. I just think she was so proud always to be that for him and felt that it was almost untouchable and that because they hosted these parties and because they were in the public, that that would sort of always protect their reputation. And like I said last week, like this life and this reputation that they, quote, built together, the house, the whole thing. And when she realized it wouldn't, that really, like, it shattered her. Oh, I think that this has the potential to really land her in a pretty severe kind of 
identity crisis because I think for the last 15 or so years, however long she'd been with him, she derived, like you said, so much security and confidence from knowing that she was Lenny Hochstein's wife. Like I think that was a title that she held onto really, really tightly. And this is, it is her biggest fear imagined. And like, she's going to have to do a lot of work, I think, to really like stand firm in herself and and have this understanding that her worth is not tied to him deeming her worthy. I And I, I wish she was there, but I don't think she's there yet. And that's understandable. It was a really twisted dynamic for the last 15 years. And I think she got really stuck in it. So like, even though what we said to her on the podcast and what I really feel is true, like I think she's going to come out so much stronger. This is a rough time for her. The conversation between Lisa and her mother-in-law, which happened last week, I could have watched 40 minutes of them at lunch together because their dynamic has always been so fascinating to me because it was like her biggest plot line in the earliest seasons. And his mom was the definition of like, bowing down to her son and nobody, no woman, no wife would ever be good enough for him. And she really put that energy on Lisa. So then when they finally got to a good place, obviously it was amazing. But now to watch them at lunch where she is admitting that he's having a midlife crisis and being crazy and taking the fault. I mean, I never thought I'd see the day. It does make me sad because I think in real time, she sort of has like, backed away from Lisa a little bit and probably is naturally going back to Lenny and wanting to have a good relationship with him. And maybe the dust has settled a little bit. But for now, soaking that up was like everything I could have asked for. Well, as we know, we talked about this a few weeks ago when Lisa was on Watch What Happens and she was asked about her relationship with his mother. She said something like, you know, at the end of the day, that's her son and and she respects it. I think, and this is like completely a hypothesis based in nothing but my own thought, I almost feel that there is a potential that Lenny said something to his mother about like, if you continue to take her side publicly in this way, film with her, et cetera, I will no longer be funding any aspect of your lifestyle. I could completely see that being a legitimate conversation that took place. And that's where my mind went to when Lisa said that. Yeah. I mean, even if it didn't go down that harshly and he's now seeing that she's filming and going against him, whatever, she he probably said, you cannot do that or you're going to lose me as your son or whatever. And like, whose side are you on? You know, I'm your kid. And honestly, it, it sucks to think or to say, but I can see a world where his parents get sucked in and end up having a relationship with whoever his new woman he's dating and wanting to be around the kids and him like you know honestly I I have a lot of sympathy for her it's a really fucking shitty situation to look at the mother of your grandchildren who regardless how you feel about her you've definitely come around and can have some sympathy but also like it's your own kid and it's just I don't know I feel like it's a really sticky fucking situation and poor Marina I wish she had a confessional I feel completely unqualified to have a stance on whether or not she's doing the right thing because I don't have a kid. And I just think when you're a parent, no matter how fucked up your kid is being, that is still your child. And I think your natural inclination is to do everything in your power to maintain a relationship with them. So I agree with you. I have a lot of sympathy for the position that she's in. I don't envy that at all. But I don't think that she 
is like a woman who doesn't support women by no longer maintaining a relationship with Lisa at the moment. Like I, I get it. It's your child as much of an asshole as he may be at the moment or in general. Yeah. I hope we get like one or two more scenes of her or maybe a phone call and then some some silence, I'm assuming. Lars and Lisa are really close. You can see it in these episodes clearly. Something I picked up on in the last two episodes, whenever Lisa is leaving like the group gathering or something goes down, Larsa makes a point to say to her, call me later. Or, You'll call me later, right? You'll call me after. And she one time says like, call me later so we can really like talk, talk. And I think it's obviously genuine. Like she really has been there for her, whether the cameras are on or off. But I also think there's like a little part of Larsa that likes the other girls to know that she is Lisa's number one in this group and that she will get the full story and the tea and that she is the shoulder to cry on. And look, like, I get it. It's like kind of natural, but it's also just funny. But back to what you said, it does also make me feel like, okay, these two are like real, real, real friends. Yeah. And I don't just think it's for the other women. I think she also wants the audience to know. But I also think specifically when they were at that group dinner and they're passing around the phone, like that's the last thing that Lisa probably wants. She doesn't need every single woman there giving their input on what she should do in the moment. And so like I I got Larsa that moment to want to take the phone and be like, I know we're all driving you crazy. We'll talk about it later. We love you. You know, it's like we don't need someone from across the table telling us to do some crazy shit to him. Like that's not productive in the moment. No, definitely not. I also want to get into the Julia plot line that Larsa brought up, but I first just want to say that Martina revealed via a statement this week that she had been diagnosed with throat and breast cancer, which is just the worst fucking news you want to hear. And I know there's really nothing for us to say, but we are just sending them love and strength and positivity. And there are two people that can get through this with a really strong bond. It's them, but our, our thoughts are just with them. It's it's not easy. No, and it really puts all of these other issues into perspective that they're fighting about on the show, and I'm sure that they feel that way too. It's so out of order, but I just quickly have to say at the end when they jumped in the water together or Martina jumped in and Julia was in, I had watched the episode after already seeing about the diagnosis, and I don't know what came up for me, but I started crying a little, not like bawling, I was so but- emotional. I was going to yeah. say that. Well, because I was I was so happy for them that they have that footage. You know, like it was a really special moment. And in normal life, you don't get those moments on video. And I just think that they'll be really happy to always have that. It was like such a beautiful rom-com moment. Like Julia is in her long pink dress swimming to her, surprising her in the water. It was so beautiful and just an amazing moment. You know, say what you want about Adriana. She has her issues for sure. But I think she really does love Julia and Martina in a deep way. And I actually think that she has a pretty good handle on their situation. Oh, she will fucking go to bat for Julia and Martina. And it's funny because I think in the very beginning, I actually was so unsure of how close Julia and Adriana really were. Like it felt a little fluffy when we met Julia last season, but as time has gone on and we've seen her more and more and how much they really understand each other and connect and are so comfortable, I feel like they have a really deep friendship and I honestly love it so much. And I wish we saw more of that side of Adriana with other people, you know? I think that she has a hard time getting there with other people. You know, like I don't think her natural inclination is to be trusting probably for things that happened in her past, but she feels really, really safe with Julia. So I think that 
her version of like expressing her gratitude for that safety is a deep sense of protection. You know, I think it's almost like for her reciprocating physically almost what Julia gives to her emotionally. But we hold on. We, we have to talk about this Larsa thing because Larsa brings up the fact that, you know, apparently she heard Julia was making out with some guy at the Four Seasons. And Julia gives this kind of convoluted response, whatever. My my thought is like, how refreshing is this? Because the way that Julia handled this is pretty much the exact opposite to the way that we would ever see any other housewife handle this. She fully leaned in. Well, that's exactly what I was about to say. Like, Larsa was shook because Larsa is feeling like I'm about to drop this bomb and Julia is going to get so defensive, say that's crazy, whatever. And Larsa has these receipts and she felt like she was really about to do something. But then Julia sort of is like making Larsa feel like kind of dumb for like, well, it's just my really good friend. Martina doesn't really care. We sort of play around. I'm like a flirty woman like that. And so what? Like you got nothing. You know, I'm trying to think how I want to say this. I, I, I think you'll get what I mean. But I also kind of think there's something about specifically Larsa, Alexia, and Lisa where their views on relationships, I think, are not bad at all, but are very, very traditional and obviously for them, you know, very heteronormative. Yes. And yes. there's something about Julia and the way that she approaches everything, just the openness with which she kind of lives her life and almost the willingness to kind of like pave a new set of rules that I think shakes them to their core because they have a very traditional strict belief of how they think marriages and relationships should be. And when she flips that on their head, I think they don't know what to do with that. Well, there's one point where Larsa says something like, I don't know, just help me. I'm trying to understand what relationships are like in 2022. And it's almost like condescending, but also it makes her look so bad. It's like, Larsa, catch up, babe. Like, where you been? You know, like, don't live in the past. It's only making you look worse and kind of judgmental. Yes, but I'll say it. I like Larsa this season. Sue me. I really fucking like her. And I don't know if that's just because of how great she was when we had her in studio and how nice and gracious she was, but I'm enjoying her. Is that wrong? No, I think this is Larsa's season. She's a really different person. Like, I'm saying that that's her just mindset on this particular issue. But overall, I am loving her. I think she's great and she's found her rhythm and she realizes that she doesn't need to be like at a level 10 at all times. And also I think it's kind of just reflective at where she is in her life. Yeah. I think there's something about almost the independence you can tell that she's feeling that's making her not feel like she has to overcompensate in other areas. And it's much more enjoyable to watch. Right. Like I feel like she almost feels she has less to prove, which is always better as a housewife. You know, like she's not trying to live up to something or hit something or make these marks. Like she sort of feels like she's got it and she's just being herself, which is always better than a housewife who is setting out to like prove a point or make something of themselves. The Gertie Alexia thing was kind of strange. Well, because it started as something small and it sort of unraveled all of the issues that they have with each other that I guess have not been resolved at all, even though we kind of thought that they were. Yeah. And even two episodes ago in the van, they were both way more annoyed than was necessary in the moment. So clearly like it showed there was some other shit going on. But then when they're at the music video, it was a whirlwind. It's like they're yelling, they're crying. I mean, I, I do think the bond runs deep, but I also wonder like, maybe they just don't like each other that much. Like it's okay to not need to be that great friends with a person. And I kind of feel like their personalities don't mesh. 
I don't really think the bond or the care runs that deep. I think they both saw that there could have been potential and that they had known each other for so long and were about to embark on this deeply personal journey of planning Alexia's wedding together. And now it's sort of like there's been way more bad than good if you looked at their friendship in its entirety. By the way, thank God Gertie didn't end up planning the wedding, not because she wouldn't have done a beautiful job, but because that would have been probably detrimental to their relationship. Like, I don't think that they work together well. Even last season when they were planning it, they were going to a few venues. That did not seem like two people that work together cohesively. I, I just, I think that it's not a friendship that needs to be worked for. No, because Gertie takes her work really seriously, as she should, and I don't think Alexia shows her the respect that Gertie feels she deserves, and I don't think Alexia really gets Gertie, and those are just like a complete mismatch in all ways, especially coming to work together. Working with your friends is hard. Working with your friends on their wedding, which is so personal, is really hard, and working with Gertie, who's like a top designer, and not feeling like you're getting the respect you deserve as opposed to like her other clients who are respecting her, you know, it's just like a disaster. No. Yeah. And I think Alexia is probably a person who does her best when working on something like this with a non-friend, you know? Agree. Also, other thing we have to mention is Julia disinviting Kiki. I was like, that kind of came out of left field. It was so unnecessary. Like what? First of all, Kiki does nothing but give us the most iconic confessionals. And it's like, she would have been there with her fantastic one-liners having a grand old time. It was very dramatic for the moment. But I think Julia felt that Adriana has been so defensive and such a good friend to her that she needed to sort of reciprocate in a concrete action item way to say, like, I have your back. You know, you and Kiki had words and I don't need to have her at my home for my party. You know, yeah. like it was like it was very much a chess move. I don't think Adriana would have really cared. And I think her and Julia have a stronger relationship than if she had showed up and saw Kiki there and like obviously knew that it was for the show and they invite the whole cast. But you know, it was good for Julia actually, because I think I wouldn't have expected her to go out of her way to do something like that. Yeah. I, I also have to say I was like getting hives watching them on that boat because I could feel the frustration from Adriana and from the very overdramatic director of like, please just do this one thing and then we can bullshit. And they were just so incapable. And it's like when you're, you know, trying to fight against the light, it's it, that's just so not the spot you want to be in. You don't want to be wrangling like seven drunk women. No, I was I was getting annoyed on his behalf, but I'm curious how the music video turns out. <laughs> That's something we definitely are watching. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the Viral Turquoise Tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. 
It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. Have you ever noticed how celebrities have brighter, whiter looking eyes? Their makeup artists have a little secret in their kit. Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute. It literally happens right before your eyes to help them look brighter, whiter, and more awake for up to eight hours. No wonder it's so loved by influencers, celebrities, and makeup artists, and has over 6,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. Lumify is also the number one eye doctor recommended redness reliever eye drop, and it's FDA approved. No bleach, no dyes, plus it's made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Lomb. So whether you're on set, on a date, or running on just a few hours of sleep, you can have eyes that look brighter and whiter with Lumify eye drops. When you try it, you'll see that it's what your eyes have been looking for. Check out lumifyeyes.com to learn more. I can't even express to you the sense of relief I felt wash over my body when the episode ended with next week on the season finale of The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. I really felt like honestly a weight lifted off my shoulders. I get it. I get it as well. I am so done with this. When when Heather says to Jen, you know, why don't you shut them all up? I just telling them to ask about my black eye. It took everything inside of me to not turn the TV off in that moment because I think the frustration I'm feeling is like, I feel like I'm being played watching this show and it's just not the way that you want to feel watching a show. Like I did not sign up for this. Fucking tell us what happened or don't talk about it. That's the thing too. Like when the black eye happened and it was not being spoken about and Heather was really leaning into this, I don't want to talk about it. It'll be bad for all of this. Fine. But then now for it to be a joke, like I am not joking about this. I want to read a tweet. Gibson tweeted, this season of Salt Lake City was already on thin ice with Jen proclaiming her innocence all season long when we all know she pleads guilty. But the continually unresolved black eye storyline has completely pushed it over the edge. Yep. <laughs> that yep. is exactly how I feel. The black eye storyline is the worst thing I think this franchise could have ever done because it made what was shaping up to be a mockery of a show into a definitive mockery of a show. It it feels like Emma, relax. It's just a show. I'm just, I'm an, I'm upset. It's like, I'm not even annoyed or mad. I'm upset because Heather was someone that in this crazy Bravo universe of these characters that seemed so unrelatable, she was someone that you felt like was a real person. And she has lost me in such a severe way. And it makes me so sad. Well, that's why I feel like it's even worse. This would be a terrible storyline no matter who it was, but the fact that it's also one of our favorites or someone who was one of our favorites that I felt we so deeply understood and needed and I championed like that she was one of the best housewives in history, I just, I really honestly am in such denial and truly hearing that at the end of the episode, I was so ready to give up and we have gotten like, I can't even tell you how many DMs of people saying that they're giving up. Thank God it's the finale next week or else I really don't know what we would have done. I don't know how the reunion will shape up because Jen's not even fucking there. But like, obviously we have to see it towards the end, but God, if we weren't recapping it or I didn't feel some hint of curiosity to see what's going to happen, I would have 
ended it weeks ago and dedicated this segment to like below deck, which I'm oh. loving. Oh, 100%. And it's an unfamiliar feeling with Bravo because even when you're not really into it or it's a slow week, you still would watch it in the background, right? Like if we didn't have a podcast, we weren't going to recap it. We'd still put it on. It would be in the background. I wouldn't put it on. It's the whole thing. I mean, even like, for example, when Dana brings this whole informant storyline up to Jen, which I think is legitimate. I think that Dana is a great character, but we haven't gotten to know her enough and gotten to know her relationship with the other women enough to feel the magnitude of that moment. You know, like if that's Meredith or Lisa or anyone else saying that to Jen, it would be a little bit different. But when the person bringing this up is still relatively new, it doesn't hit in that same way. Yeah. And apparently there's like a couple scenes that we saw in the trailer with Dana and Jen that actually end up being cut from the show, which like gives a little bit more to this fight. It just feels like sort of rushed. Like here we are, the finale's next week. Now you're bringing up that you're friends with someone who is friends with an informant. And like, so what? I, I just met you. Like, that's exactly what you just said too. Like, I, I don't have any, I don't care enough because I don't feel any sense of care for your friendship. Like, at least they did a good job establishing it with Angie Kay. Like their friendship, their relationship, the birthday party thing, so that when we see Coach and Jen pay them back, I felt like, okay, I'm kind of relieved. I wanted them to be on good terms. You know, I understood that the depth of it. But here I'm like, I, I need a couple more episodes at least. Right. Like it's it's giving me nothing. To me, that was just something put in to purposely rile Jen up, which, you know, it did understandably. But <laughs> The way that I feel is like we have seen Jen riled up so many times that that's not going to be the thing to save the show. If anything, you experience a sense of fatigue with that. Yeah, no, I'm like exhausted. And also, like we said, we can't forget that we're watching this whole season where Jen is really talking about her innocence that everyone's like innocent, proven guilty, innocent till proven guilty. But we have the knowledge that she's not innocent. So it's just like it's already so frustrating and so like – even if we had just like, okay, let's say we didn't know any of the more legal stuff, right? And we just like kind of believed in our hearts, like, eh, she's got to be, you know, somewhat guilty where there's smoke, there's fire. No, like we have like the concrete facts here. So it's not even like there's room for imagination. Oh, I know. And that's the thing when you're watching this show, you're dying to have a little bit of imagination to make it more bearable. And then you can't even have that because you know what's happening in real time. Also, going back to what you said about Angie K with the check. <laughs> That was some shit, huh? Not her giving her an itemized invoice. No, and then her saying, you know, I'm running to the bank to catch this before the government freezes her assets, which like is a dig, but also is entirely a fair point. And also Jen has to remind us how much money she spent on Meredith's birthday party and that like she still, you know, went over the top and did this elaborate. And we're like sitting here. You shouldn't have spent that money. Like, Jen, that wasn't your money to spend. It's not the flex you think it is. But the way that I feel about it is like any legalities aside, even if this case wasn't going on, I still don't think that's a flex. Like spending 80 grand on a birthday party for a friend that you weren't even that close to at the time is so clearly a sign of like needing that validation and not a sign of just pure generosity. You know, like whether or not she was being accused of frauding elderly people, I still think that that's a bizarre move. And honestly, the party didn't even look that fun. <laughs> that party so was like, not 80 grand. That I'll tell you right now, Mindy no. Weiss will tell us that that was not an 80 grand party for sure. A hundred percent. Wait, also hands down to me, the quote worst moment of the episode was this Heather and Whitney sit down in Whitney's backyard. 
Wait, this was terrible. Now, not only is Heather not telling us, but she is dangling the black eye as bait in front of Whitney as a signal of where their friendship is and that if they had been closer, maybe I would let you in on the secret. But sorry, I don't trust you. You know how out there you have to be to make Whitney Rose start to look like she speaks with a lot of clarity? Like, that's a skill. It's like... All you want is to be in a good place with Whitney, but now you won't even tell her that you have a black eye when you're on a vacation together because you got botched Botox, allegedly? Like, come on. Like, this is so ridiculous. I I want them to be on good terms because there's so much other shit that's falling around them. Like, at least, if nothing else, give us something to grip onto with the two of you being this solid friendship back where you were. By the way, it's also like tainted now because I thought nothing could ever break them. But the fact that they went through this weird hiccup, I'll never be trusting again. And I think both of them feel the same way too. Yeah, totally. I mean, the, the whole thing is just convoluted. Them, the rest of these storylines, I'm out and I agree with you. Very, very excited for the finale next week. Curious about what the reunion will look like without Jen. Definitely the right move, but also, you know, will infringe upon the extent of drama that we're going to get. And we're just going to have to see, but God damn, this season was definitely one that we're going to remember for the wrong reasons. Or we'll probably forget <laughs> if we're lucky. <laughs> Doing your hair has the potential to be such a time-consuming process. If you're not using products that really work for you, not as they really work with you, And for me, I'd say generally speaking, my hair is pretty easy to manage, but it does get frizzy. I have a lot of split ends, so I'm always looking for things to manage the frizz. And recently I've been into a new product from Way. It's their anti-frizz cream. So it's a really lightweight cream. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours and also heat protection up to 450 degrees. You're kind of killing two birds with one stone. And the thing I really like about it is that it helps reduce and repair split ends while quenching dry hair with intense hydration. So you can feel like it just feels good on your hair. For me, I get out of the shower. I always spray in the leave-in conditioner. I've told you guys about that before, but I love it. A little anti-frizz cream and you're good to go. I also, I mean, I love a lot of things from Way, but I like their detox shampoo. I don't use that every week, maybe once a week, maybe once every other week, but I feel like it gives my hair a really, really good clean. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code CELEBS for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code CELEBS. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract, and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life, so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. You know, I know the last few weeks there had been this conversation talking about how Ashley really plays the role of producer quite well. And I was 
on board with that. <laughs> but this week, the lack of subtlety when coming up with these super contrived plot lines knocked her down a notch in terms of her seamless ability to produce the show. You know, I couldn't tell if she was like being duped by her friend of what had happened and that there was actually something to like sound the alarms on or if she was just reaching. But I know one thing for sure, both Ashley and Deborah did not expect that the producers would go into the footage, pull out not just the visual, but also the microphoned audio of the exact moment that she is recalling and basically prove to all of us that literally nothing happened. Like I just said to you, I think I have more chemistry and more interest in combo with like my barista when I'm ordering a coffee. Like there could not be less for Candace to be worried about. Yeah. And this whole Chris Bassett plot line, it it just feels a little bit in bad taste because I I feel that it takes away from the seriousness of like legitimate allegations that happen. And from everything that we've seen and the proof that we've seen, it just doesn't seem to be the case. Literally justice for Chris Bassett. I feel so fucking bad for him. And something that like Ashley can't grasp, and I was thinking about this when they played that clip back of Candace and Ashley going at it and Ashley's accusing Candace of like turning a blind eye and Candace is saying, well, like that's what you always do. Ashley can't understand that there's a very huge difference between someone saying that Chris maybe flirted or said something weird when he has never done that, nor is it in his personality versus when Michael Darby, who is a known serial, like cheater, gaslighter, scumbag, when something else comes out about him to come tell it to you, like just because it's the same thing happening, doesn't mean that the playing field is even here, you know, like, it, Candace has the right to kind of say no, that like just literally would never happen versus you when someone comes and tells you about Michael. Right. I, and it's so frustrating because I think that one of Ashley's biggest draws has been her self-awareness previously. And there's a real lack of that being exhibited here. But also, you know, in terms of your question about like, was she played by her friend or did she really believe this or whatever? Regardless of what the answer is, I think the bottom line is that she's just so clouded by her dislike of Candace that she's more willing to make herself look stupid in the process of leaning into this fake situation than to pass up an opportunity to potentially make Candace and her marriage look bad. If I've learned one thing this season, it's that Ashley really fucking hates Candace. And I, I don't know if she was trying to trick herself or if she really continued to feel this underlying feeling when in the beginning of the season, they were like trying to be friends, but I felt like it was actually possible. And I saw like, you know, you guys have a lot in common and you could be an amazing team and they're hilarious together and whatever, like in our dream world, maybe they would not have this tension, but that really flipped on its head. Like, I can't believe the same Ashley that has continued to try and go after Candace is the same person who was trying to be so great and like work on their relationship and build the bridge and extend an olive branch just, what, a couple weeks ago? But if you would have asked me previous to this season which one of them hates the other one more, I probably would have said that Candace hates Ashley more because I think that it's so hard for Candace to ever look at Ashley in any sort of a positive light after knowing that she wrote the statement in support of Monique. But as this season has progressed, I actually think Candace is the one that was more genuinely willing to work on a potential positive future. Whereas Ashley, 
I kind of think was faking it. Like I think she has written Candace off and I think the getting closer to her thing was a keep your friends close and enemies closer type situation. I agree. I think Candace was actually open to the idea of a friendship, but that's also not to say that as soon as things started going south, she took no minute break to completely, you know, switch back and use everything that she hates about Ashley against her. Like there wasn't even a brief moment of pause. So they'd only taken a couple steps forward. I guess there wasn't that much to grasp onto in terms of their friendship, but like we are at square one, if not further back than we were. Oh no, we're further back. We're further back because now Candace is seeing how manipulated this whole situation has become. And I think that she views Ashley as the mastermind behind it, which could be, could be Giselle, could be a combination of the two of them. But I think that Candace is seeing this all very clearly. Yeah. It's, it's just a lost cause. I think at this point, we got to talk about Mia. Like (laughs) the way that I feel about her is like, I don't trust her for a half a second, but goddamn, is she entertaining? I kind of loved her this episode. Is that weird? No, I thought she was so much fun. Like, you know what? Similar to what we were talking about with Julia in Miami, there is so much power in owning the accusation. But sometimes I feel like she's annoying about them. But for some reason, this episode, like she wasn't being like weirdly sneaky. And she also wasn't trying to like use it as this like crazy polarizing thing about her to like make waves. She's sort of just being cool. And I feel like that's what we've been craving from her. And it actually really worked this episode. I mean, I'm still unclear about sort of everything, but like, you know what you do, you girl, like, honestly, it's not, it's like not our business. I think the other women back to what we were saying in Miami are so used to this like traditional and they've never even heard of these sort of things that go down. But Mia's like, yeah, like what's it to you? But that's how I feel. What is it to them? I mean, I guess it's to them because Jacqueline is now kind of in the group and also they know Peter Thomas and they know of his girlfriend or whatever it is, but it impacts their lives totally minimally. And I think the thing that I'm always caught by is, you know what? Not that you're ever going to do it in the way that Mia does it. Like, I don't think that that is desirable for most of these women, but there's probably an ounce of her open-mindedness when it comes to sexuality that like could be beneficial if they leaned into it a little bit more. Like it's nothing if not liberating. I will say though, Peter Thomas's current girlfriend being a part of the foreplay the night before their wedding, like that really was something. She really buried the lead with that one when they were in Miami. Holy shit. I know. I mean, that goes to show you like different strokes for different folks, because for some people that is the biggest turn on. And for me, when I heard that, I was like, that's probably the last thing I would want to do the night before my wedding night. I know. And now she's Peter Thomas's girlfriend and they're all having this like friendship relationship hanging out. It's like, it's fucking wild. Honestly, I'm obsessed with it. Get her on the show. Okay. Like enough with Deborah. I know, I know. It's <laughs> love to see how that goes down. Also, you know, I am curious to see how much of the unraveling between her and Jacqueline that we see because, yeah, their relationship clearly has some strained parts to it, but there is a very real closeness. I mean, they go back forever. Yeah, and I think honestly, in real time, like it's unraveled to the point of no return. Like they do that little silent film as our trailer for next week. So we, we're we not hearing what they're saying necessarily, but it does not look pretty. You know, also in terms of Karen telling everyone about what Mia told her, like, 
yes, as a show, of course she was going to do that. Of course she needed to do that in order to move the storyline along. But I kind of get why Mia was a little pissed about that because Karen has this dynamic with her where I think that Mia typically feels protected by her. Maybe part of that is because of her relationship with her own mom and Karen knowing that and maybe leaning into it a little bit more. There's a couple of things at, at play there. And so it wasn't the biggest deal in the world by any means that Karen told that. But like, I do get that momentary sense of betrayal Mia probably felt. I think that there's like this common thing that happens where when someone's super open and super like just free and like feels like there's no boundaries, anytime they reveal something, it sort of feels like it's free reign to tell anyone or whatever. Oh, she would never care. And like, that's not it. You know, any, the way that you would handle any friend's privacy and trust or sort of handle with care something that they tell you should apply to everyone, no matter what you think that they'd be comfortable with or no matter what their personality is. Like, it almost doesn't matter. And I think it's hard for these women, but also a lot of women, I think, and we see it on Housewives as a pattern to remember that. Yeah. It's like, it almost takes advantage of the other person's openness and kind of chillness with these matters. Yeah, I agree. Is there anything else that you want to mention about this episode or anything? No, I think that's it. Oh, wait, actually, I just want to put out a little PSA. If anyone is an avid Jeff Lewis listener, can you just DM me? I just want to talk about it because he his radio show is the best thing ever. Like if you need something else to listen to besides us, I cannot recommend it enough. But I'm always looking for people who are religious listeners every single day to talk about it. So just DM me. It's so funny because you're a religious Jeff Lewis listener and I'm a religious you recapping Jeff Lewis listener. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's you listen and then I get the best bits of it from you in the form of a voice note. And that's the ideal setup for me. No, I love it because we get to go on a walk and I get to recite his stories or like what's going on in his life and get the reaction from you and Julie gasping and asking me more. And it's like so fulfilling for me. It was really a special moment, like walking on the beach, the waves crashing and me hearing, you know, about Jeff Lewis auctioning off his ex-boyfriend's Christmas items. Like you, you really did an excellent job in that description. Well, they're back together. So tune in for next time. <laughs> uh, I can't wait. <laughs> okay. We love you guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for letting us do this. And we will be back next week.